0: Oh, good morning! Good morning. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for allowing a long gospel reading. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. Now, in the in the Anglican Church, there's the uh, lectionary readings, and when we're in Lent, they get longer and longer by Sunday. So, um, (laughs) Palm Sunday, you well, we tell everyone just to be seated and uh, to uh, uh, absorb it as it comes in. Well, thank you for your welcome, and. These are unique and uh, challenging times, and obviously as uh, churches, we're uh, thinking, praying, reflecting, and acting about how we respond and how we look out for those who are in our neighborhood and uh, how we care for them. And uh, it made me think um, of uh, an incident that took place um, uh, a few years ago now, and I was at a job interview um, down in Southampton, and uh, when you um, apply for a job in the Anglican Church, you start by looking at the church times, um, you go through situations vacant, so it says wanted vicar, wanted chaplain, um, a job specification, you apply, and if you're shortlisted, you're obviously invited in for the um, interview, and uh, we have something called trial by quiche, um, where the candidate goes from table to table and uh, there are various um, you know, things to nibble and uh, a group of people around the table firing in questions and uh, you have to respond. Normally, obviously, you have to be careful if your mouth's full, obviously, that would give the wrong impression straight away. But it eventually comes to the point where you are plonked in a chair and you face the interview panel. And in this job in um, uh, Southampton, uh, they didn't hold back. Um, They said, what do you think is the most important thing in Christian theology? And I said, ooh. Um, (laughs) I said, and you know, I think I'll probably still say it now if I was going for an interview. Reconciliation. Uh, Needless to say, I didn't get the job. (laughs) But uh, reconciliation just seems so important, so 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 crucial to what we do as churches. Uh, Saint Paul, in his letter, always letters always talks about how God in Christ was reconciling the world to Himself. The good news of Christ uh, just seems to overcome barriers. Um, reconciliation implies forgiveness. It implies people coming together. Where there was enmity, now there's healing. Uh, Where there maybe was a a wall or a barrier, there's a bridge across. Uh, There's always that possibility of encounter and deeper relationships. And I think one of the most wonderful things of the story that we had today from St. John is that type of reconciliation can actually happen anywhere now, we're very pleased at St. Mary's um, after, it seems like it's been a, a long struggle, but we have the church open in the day. Um, so if you're passing, um, feel free to come in, um, and uh, it's a place where people can come in now to pray, to reflect, uh, maybe just have that um, just moment of stillness. And uh, what is, though, um, quite thought-provoking after hearing um, today's story from St. John is that when people have moments of encounter, they're not always in churches. Uh, in fact, I would say in the Bible stories, very often they don't take place in the synagogues or the temples. They take place uh, out on the roadside, um, in the places where uh, you are traveling, and, uh, and those encounters, when they come, uh, can be very unexpected. Uh, it's not so much we go to a church, we sit, we pray, we reflect, we go on a retreat. Sometimes, we don't go so much searching for God. God finds us, and God finds us when the timing is right. There's a saying um, in St. John, a verse, that um, the wind blows where it will. And if that's a reference to the Holy Spirit, it makes a great deal of sense. God's timing is God's timing. And we somehow can be caught up in it. And if we're open, and if we sense the moment, that time of encounter can come. Now, one of the people... I find inspiration from um, is a great Baptist um, Martin Luther King and uh, there's a turning point in his ministry Um, the Montgomery bus boycott we're way back now in 1957 had uh, just started and it was gaining a momentum and it was proving to be successful and uh, many people were boycotting the buses and uh, As the campaign was successful, so the threats started to grow. And King, in a sermon he gave in 1967, described how um, he received about 40 threatening phone calls a day. And on one occasion, it was just after midnight, and uh, a phone started ringing. And he answered it, and he said it was an ugly voice. He said, you just get out of this town, or we're going to kill you, and we're going to kill your family. And he said he was near breaking point. He thought, I just cannot go on. My strength is weak. He went down to the kitchen. There's a very famous way he describes his having a cup of coffee. And then he has that moment when God became real for him in a new way. He said he felt the Holy Spirit breaking in and he felt a voice right in the deepest point of his heart. Don't give in. Stand up for truth. Stand up for righteousness and know that I'm going to be with you to the very end. And he said after that moment, everything changed. He had that strength to carry on. Now, the reason I mention that story that strength to carry on didn't come from being half a mile away sitting on his own in um, uh, Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. It came from being in his kitchen and just being open. And I think there is a sense that God can reach us anywhere. God's timing is God's timing. Well, the experience of the Samaritan woman in that story we've had, I I, I think is uh, extraordinary. Uh, I don't think I'm being controversial if I said that Jesus lived in a very patriarchal and slightly prejudiced culture. Um, I'm I'm open always to debate, but um, I I don't think I'm sort of pushing the boat out too far. Uh, So a woman and a Samaritan is making her way to the well. Obviously a well that has, uh, has its own sort of resonance and story as Jacob's well. But Jesus is tired. It's at noon. It's at the heat of the day. He's tired by his journey. The disciples are looking for food. And this woman comes to do what you would do. You have a bucket and you would lower it into the well. And uh, she presumably would take it back to her village and her community. Now, Jesus sees her. That's significant. He sees her. And he asks her for a drink. And the woman is amazed that Jesus would even be talking to her. A woman of Samaria. Well, Jesus has no problem talking to women and Jesus is not prejudiced. He initiates the conversation, he reaches out, he draws things from deep within her, and the conversation becomes an encounter which is simply life-changing. Interestingly, um, with the exception maybe of a little bit later in John where Jesus is in conversation with uh, his disciples, it's one of the longest recorded conversations that Jesus has with anyone in the Gospels. And the woman is not even given a name. She is the woman from Samaria. Well, the woman is intrigued, most likely baffled that uh, why why Jesus is speaking to her. And then the conversation develops and goes on to very sort of quite, probably sort of uh, uh, strange directions. Jesus starts talking about living water, a spring that will gush up to eternal life. Uh, It's almost like the Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. And the woman wants this water, uh, not quite understandably understanding what Jesus is saying. Well, if I had that water, I wouldn't have to come to this well and draw water out. But it's going deeper than that. And she's involved in this dialogue. She asks questions, she responds, she's intrigued. Uh, This is something completely new. And she's made to feel that she matters. Her questions, her inquiries are met with a response. A door is opening. Her faith is being awakened. And from this small start, everything else will follow. She listens, she questions, she marvels. She gives, in a sense, a response of faith. She might be shocked, surprised that he even speaks to her, but it's very clear she's deeply moved. Jesus asks her, Bring back your husband. And she replies, Well, uh, I've had five husbands, and at the present time I'm living some for, with someone who isn't my husband. She's honest. And in a sense, honesty is liberating. I think one of the things that uh, can happen, uh, you want to portray yourself in the best way. You want to put your best face out there. Jesus just sees us as we are, sees us to the very core. But that's okay, and as we've been singing in the beautiful songs this morning, it's not about condemnation. It's about love and grace. Well, if she was expecting a condemnation, as we see, it's not given. She says, you are are a prophet. She asks him about where people worship. She asks him about the traditions of her own people from Samaria. She asks about Jerusalem. And then we hear about spirit. We worship God in spirit and in truth. And then it comes after this long conversation so one of those rare moments in the Gospels where actually Jesus reveals himself as he is. You are speaking to the Messiah. You are face to face with the Holy One. You are face to face with the Anointed, the Christ. What an extraordinary moment. Well, she goes back to her village. And she basically starts telling people about Jesus. He told me everything I'd ever done. She becomes an evangelist to the Samaritans. She becomes one of the first Christian missionaries. And she can't wait to set down her water jug and tell the people that she's met the Messiah. And by the way, he's practically on our doorstep. Come with me. Meet him. The mission now is to the Samaritans. And the story starts weaving in themes of reconciliation. Those who are looked down upon, even hated, are responding because of the woman's testimony. And they offer Jesus and his disciples hospitality. And at the very end of the gospel, the gospel reading we had this morning, we have seen for ourselves that this is the saviour of the world. This is the time when barriers are being overcome. Jew and Samaritan are being brought together. Very soon, Jew and Gentile will start to worship and pray together. And as St. Paul says in the letter to the Galatians, in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave nor free There is no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, all the walls come tumbling down. It's a story of an unlikely encounter. A woman who comes to the well on a hot day and her life is transformed. And maybe for all of us We've got to be open to that possibility that God in Christ is on the lookout. He may be searching. We have to be the right time and have that sort of sense of openness and faith that uh, allows us to be aware that God in Christ may meet us maybe in quite unlikely places. And when that takes place, encounter and transformation always follow.